As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Hey, Luisa, what's up? Uh, hi, Jake. Nothing much. How you doing? I'm just chilling. I b- watched most of this terrible movie that you made me watch, and then <laughs> realized that we had a podcast. So you're gonna have Did to explain hate it? the end to me. No, it was uh, I, it was all right. I I kind of enjoyed it. It was like um, it's really funny. So the first thing it is, uh, in order to watch it, I had to look it up and see if it's streaming. So it's called Ch- uh-huh. Chaos Walking, which. Immediately it occurred to me if we're going to do a podcast on it, it should be called Chaos Walking the Room. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, it has one star on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, wow, what the fuck? You watched like one of these terrible, like straight to DVD movies on a plane or something. And uh, yeah. you, something in it spoke to you. You wanted to. Dude, I, I watched it on the plane to Puerto Rico. So then I thought about it the whole time I was in Puerto Rico. <laughs> tried to explain it to the person that I was with. And then I came home and I tweeted about, like, should I make Jake watch this terrible space and gender movie? And only men replied to me being like, it's fucking terrible. But yes, you should make Jake watch it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was also a lot of men being sad about the dog getting killed. Did you get to that part? No. Okay. Well, man, maybe I'll finish it later. I don't know. You'll just have to explain the ending to me. Yeah. I I mean, to be honest with you, it's a cheap ploy, right? (laughs) But we'll get to why it is a cheap ploy. Because, I mean, I honestly do think, okay, it was a badly executed premise but the premise was quite genius right it was very high concept science fiction like i got it i was like okay this is what you do inside right the reason science fiction i've talked about this before but the reason it's called science fiction is because the scientific method is when you change one variable in something and then you observe and see if anything happens right so with science fiction you Mm -hmm. you know you come up with a pretty cut and clear it's exactly like our reality except this thing and okay this is a fun one the noise thing so for anyone listening this movie's called chaos walking and the premise of it is that all it came out in 2021 first of all (laughs) it's this thing i gotta go on premises Uh, um (laughs) that's weird how did that happen yeah it came out in march 2021 so i guess it was made during the pandemic year like what i don't know so there's some planet where like no one uh, it's not Earth, and people have sort of been living on it, and there's like... It's called New World. And there's natives on it. There's like a native alien species, but they, as they point out in the movie, they're the natives, we're the aliens. Uh, there's humans that are living on it in like a post, uh, kind of, like a fallout, like the video game kind of town, like, um, you know, wasteland town kind of thing. And all they're all men, and all the men have this like visual, like static shit floating around their head at all times which is you know essentially speaking their inner thoughts so you can't have any inner thoughts because like if i'm like "Mm, this podcast is boring in my head it starts saying it out loud to the person i'm talking to and And uh, it's like a visual bubble around (laughs) your head yeah and it also expresses like you know visual thoughts you're having or if someone's dreaming you can sort of see what they're doing or whatever and then this woman who's on a spaceship crash lands and she ends up in this town and they're like, uh, Hey, Oh my God, it's a woman. We've never seen women because they all died in this like war that we were in or whatever. And also she doesn't have static. She doesn't know if it's called the noise. And from there, the main character is this kid who like helps her escape. Cause they're like trying to kill her or something. And then right. she's on the run and the kid's also got a dog. And it's also like, this is where, okay. So the, the other thing that it made me think about, uh, with regards to being like a high concept science fiction premise is, um, the fact that we don't have mid tier comedies anymore. Cause it made me think about like shallow Hal, like all these like nineties, like, oh. um, or, or, uh, what women want. Or, or like, uh, what's the caveman one? The, uh, Fuck, Encino Man. Man. (laughs) Is that not a mid-tier? Well, (laughs) no, I'd say Encino Man's more of like a... It's. I would say it's the same probably budget or something like that. Maybe a little bit more, actually. But not high concept, right? Because there used to be like... Yeah. Remember all those Jim Carrey movies? Like, Liar, Liar. What's the premise of the Mm -hmm. movie? You could say it in one sentence. He wakes up one day and he can't lie. He can't lie. 
Yeah. yeah. So there used to be this genre of movies that honestly was like kind of like hokey and like, you know, they were just like, it's just like junk food. Like, of course, they don't fucking make them anymore, you know. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of funny because like to me, the entire time I was watching it, I couldn't stop thinking about like, if I was going to do the sketch on whatever show making fun of this thing, the premise obviously would be that what they're getting wrong in this movie is that what it's like to be inside the head of a teenage boy is like, you know, his noise would be like disgusting. Like it would be like so <laughs> horny and like just evil and be saying all this fucked up shit and stuff. And I they, mean, but they did, they did the PG version of that. Right. Which is like, you did see his noise when he like first met her where like, like all his noise kept being like, her hair's so blonde. Yeah. Oh my god, I want to touch her skin. You know, like but weird, Louise, creepy but, fucking thoughts. No, and I know Lisa, it gets worse. I it know would be that it gets so worse. much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. But also remember that like reality human teens have perhaps a worse internal noise because they have been exposed to sexuality like younger, especially now they see porn and all this stuff. Yeah. But Todd, the guy in this movie, has never seen a woman. His last memory of a woman is the last time he saw his mom as like a baby yeah. right so he has never like felt sexually about a woman so the fact that all his fucking little noise thoughts are creepy but not like pornographic is like cute in a pg version of uh, what i know you're right that it would be <laughs> so much worse but like it's also reflective of the fact that he doesn't have a framework beyond like wow her voice is so high yeah <laughs> you know? and he's sure like, hey, you know what i mean and he's like just like registering the differences it's also a pg-13 movie but yeah i have a question i'm gonna look it up right Uh now who wrote this because what it reminded me of it was like three dudes (laughs) that's interesting because yeah i'm looking at it uh because my assumption on that Uh was that i I was gonna say i bet a woman wrote it because um Mm -hmm. i always think about this because uh i as we've discussed on this show before read all the harry potter books when i was a teenager and i was a dork Mm -hmm. about that shit for a while and um have a tattoo of it and uh you have a harry potter tattoo yeah one of my tattoos it's you can't tell unless you know what the thing is <laughs> from the book so it's like uh-huh. it's like hidden but if every once in a while i run into somebody and they look at it and they're like is that the dark mark and i'm like yeah you know yeah. It's, oh, but it just no. looks like a tattoo it's like a snake and shit so that's fine um <laughs> And also, I did all this stuff before, you know, she became a turf. Everybody's got embarrassing tattoos. It's fine. No, it's I fine. still think it's cool. Honestly, I'm one of the people who's like, no, no, no fuck you. I take, if I don't like the art artist, the art, yeah, I yeah, take yeah. their art. I'm like, fuck you. It's mine yeah. now. It's, I'm not going to let yeah, you Yeah, it doesn't it. belong to you anymore. Yeah, I, but, which I agree with. Yeah. Um, like, I still play Harry Potter video games. The Lego ones are fun. But um, in, but so those books are like, you know, they're, they set up kind of an interesting universe and it's got its own rules and stuff and it's kind of fun. But the problem with it really is that it's so every year, every Harry Potter book, there's seven of them is like a year in the life of the kids in the book. So they go from being mm-hmm. in like first grade, second grade, third grade, whatever the fuck you want to call it. to then by the end of it, like they're being like adolescents. Yeah. Yeah. At like the end of it, they're like 18. So, like, in the process of it, it starts off in their kids, but in the in the, in the books where they're, like, 14, 15 or whatever, she Do attempts... Do they ever acknowledge the, the like, uh, puberty? Yes, no? sort of. See, there's, okay. there's, there's, like, a little bit of burgeoning, like, oh, this one person has a crush on the other, it's, like, a love triangle. Even, yeah. honestly, like, in one of the movies, it does get kind of racy, where, like, there's, like, a magic fucking thing that, like, uh, you know, it's, like, a um an illusion where like i think hermione's like kind of half nude and she's like i've always fucking hated you ron and he's like you know it's torturing <laughs> it's like cuck porn or something you know like those uh pov things where the woman tells you to jack off so um <laughs> but but what always made me laugh is that when i was reading the books every once in a while she does an okay job at not hiding from it not running from it too bad like she'll have them like curse or something or like drink a beer but it's just because she's like a motherly figure, I think, in my head, yeah. the way I was reading this, I was like, you are still very naive about what you think teenagers are up to. Because in reality, if me and my friends had gone to Hogwarts, we would have been huffing air duster and fucking fingering each other. And shit hey, <laughs> like me too, stuff. dude. But, don't, but do you, is, there, is there any YA that actually talks about it? Because have you seen... Uh, well, that's the problem with the genre. <laughs> Exactly. Like, uh, you've seen that HBO show about whatever that hot girl that everybody likes now, and she's like a drug addict teen, or no? Fuck. What's it called? Uh, Say Fantasia, but that's not it. Uh, hot girl that everybody fuck. likes now. Yeah, she's like black and really pretty and skinny, uh, light skinned. Fuck. 
I should remember both the show. Uh, hold on. HBO <laughs> shows. Oh. You know, I, you- and like a lot of people cringe about it because it's like too much. Like they felt like it was too much to watch teenagers having euphoria. No, okay, no. You never watch Euphoria? No. Okay, so Euphoria, which is like a sidetrack thing, but Euphoria is like maybe like two seasons. It's on HBO Max, and it stars... Who's in this fucking show? What's her name? Oh. Oh, here we go. Zendaya. Oh, Zendaya is Michi. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that song? So it it is... what? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So what it is, it's like... Uh, it's absolutely just like a teens in a cul-de-sac kind of fucking show, right? And like what's happening to them, except that they are like one of them is Zendaya and she's straight up a full drug addict. And then her best friend is a trans girl who is also a drug user. So it's honestly like this generation's uh, version of kids. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah, I was like just that, about that harsh truth of like, no, this is what teenagers are doing. That was you're the not... defining feature of that movie. Is you're like, wait yeah. a minute, it's not. It's breaking the rules of young yeah, adult shit. No, and it's fucked up, and they're giving each other AIDS, and they're raping each other, and they're doing fucked up shit to each other because they're teens and they don't know. Yeah, which is what and it's really like to be a teenager. Yeah, but the thing if is, you were like, cool. kids and Euphoria are not YA. Like, they were not made for teenagers to watch. They were made by adults who are retrospectively writing about what their teenage years were like. Yeah. So they're being honest about the fucked up shit that we did or happened to us as as teens. But YA, by definition, is trying to, like, softly bring teens into that world. (laughs) You know, like, bridge it for them. So that's why I was not offended by the G-rated version of Todd's Thoughts. Yeah. Because I think it was still effective in what it was showing. Because if you think about it, none of the other men really had, like, sexual thoughts towards, uh, what, what was her name? Valerie? No. Viola. 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 Yeah. They had, like, threatened thoughts, right? Yeah. So, like, the majority of the men in Prentice Town, because, okay, to clarify what you said, is like, so all these people live in New World and they were the first wave or they're descendants of the first wave of humans that escaped from Earth because Earth is obviously crumbling or some shit's happening, right? Yeah. So the first wave escaped and they went to this new world to start a colony. Prentice Town men are like the original wave, first wave, but also the children of that first wave, right? Which is what Todd is. And then uh, Viola is part of the second wave, which was her grandparents left Earth and it took 67 years to get from Earth to New World. So she was born on a ship to to children or to parents who were who came on the ship as children who were born on Earth. You get me? So here's what's fucked up. I'm going to propose that this movie is simultaneously about how patriarchy affects men and also about immigration. <laughs> like, listen, all right. I think it's man. The worst thing about it is that it was like such a promising premise and then it didn't fuck it. They didn't fulfill it in the way that they could have. Okay. Right? And so there's two stories going on. So the, in the Prentice Town, it's all men descended from the first wave and something happened to the women where they're all gone. And then Viola comes from the second wave who was supposed to follow. And her job is literally to come to New World to check up on the colony that the first wave was supposed to start so that she can communicate back to her ship and say, like, yeah, this is safe. We're going to start a new new world in New World, right? Except that what happens is when as soon as her ship crosses the atmosphere of new world there are two other men in the ship with her and they start to get the noise and she's like watching them fucking flip out (laughs) and they are like pretending to be brave but then you see all their noise being like ah we're gonna die we're gonna die yeah (laughs) it's super funny and then they crash and both of the men die but she doesn't she survives and then you're right todd finds the crash and then he finds her and first he's like super shocked that he finds her But then the second thing is he's shocked that she has no noise, right? And he can't read her thoughts. And so then he goes and I guess for whatever reason he tells, oh, I know what it is because he walks into the town and then the men can read his fucking noise so they can hear the thing about the spaceship crash. Right. So they all go to check the spaceship crash. So then the Prentice Town mayor, who is Mads Michelson, right? Who, I don't know how to say his name, but. Yeah. Handsome, um. 
actor dude. You know him. So he is the mayor of the town. So he comes and he like questions Todd. And so then Todd, re- Todd reveals there was a girl or there was a person. He doesn't even know yet that it's a girl. And he's like, there was like a, a person that survived. And then he says to the mayor, he didn't have any noise. And the mayor's like, find her. <laughs> you know, so like he immediately knows that it's a woman, right? So the older generation of men is aware that women don't have the noise. But the young men are just like, oh, that was fucking weird. <laughs> Why didn't that dude have any noise? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So then this thing starts to happen where the mayor like captures the girl and he ostensibly is trying to help her and he's like oh you know when's your ship coming (laughs) and then when she runs away and she's like under the floorboards she can hear him talking to his son and hear his noise which tells the truth which is that what he wants is to capture the ship when it comes to new world so that then they will be the most powerful colony on new world and they can take over the planet right so from the very beginning, you see this like dynamic between the collective idea of like how humanity is all supposed to be helping each other, right? Like the reason you came to this new world was to start this new world to help us survive. Yeah. And yet this dude, who's the head of the new world fucking colony that we're seeing, is like, no, my job is to colonize and take over everything and be the most powerful here. So I'm going to take over the ship when they come here. So from that point on, her goal is to get to some kind of communication system to tell the ship, be ready, because there's like a whole bunch of men here who are going to try to take over the ship for the purpose of creating war in this in this planet. Right. right? So the main character is the boy Todd, because he is like, I guess, pubescent, but he's like stuck between what he's supposed to do as a man Right. Like, it's very clear you're supposed to help Prentice down, do what the mayor says. Uh, Like, it's super clear throughout the movie. Like, do you remember how often he would say to himself and others would say, control your noise? Or like other people would say to each other, control your noise? Yeah. Which is a very, like, clear metaphor for, like, be a gentleman. (laughs) Like, keep all your fucking natural, like the way you were saying, like, oh, what teenagers would actually think is like so much worse. That is what patriarchy does, right? Like, that's what... Um, oh, totally. The knight system, the chivalry thing, uh-huh. like, all of it. What it teaches you, playing football, going to war, it all is teaching you that, yeah, you are normally a violent, like, your natural form is to be violent and avaricious and a murderer and a rapist. But your job, if you're a fucking modern man, is to tamp that all down. Right. <laughs> and this hold is, it back. Uh... <laughs> Fucking all the fucking Kropotkin and Sex and Dawn, mm-hmm. all that shit that I read. They always ref- talk about this as civilization and yeah, how when we when Europeans talk about civilizing the savages, so much of it is like you no, know, it's actually worse to, like, to be like restricted Dude. in all these weird ways. But think of even like Trump a few years ago being like Mexico sends us all their rapists and whatever. Yeah. That is literally like for centuries has been both a way to control the men within your population and a way to villainize the men outside of your population. Yeah, totally. You understand me? Yeah. And so now that we've established that this movie in the first like 30 minutes is very much about men struggling with their genuine thoughts and what they're supposed to be and what people will think about their thoughts when they see them. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think this movie passes the Bechdel test? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Well, I didn't finish yeah. it, so okay. I don't know if eventually a woman does talk to another woman, but I don't <laughs> think there's only one woman in the movie. I don't know what... The dog's a boy, I think, so I... The dog's a boy, yeah. I think that it doesn't... Um, you know, I, real quick, one thing I wanted to say about this is that uh, I, I think you're right. I think it actually that makes way more sense as a metaphor than what I was working off of. Just when I was watching it, it was making me think about OCD and uh, Tourette syndrome mm, because, okay. like, um, so you know, obsessive compulsive. That's not that far off, though. Go, go with it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe we have a hot take here, and then maybe yeah. uh, uh, Tourette syndrome is highly social and not, uh, you know, a disorder that comes from, you know, chemistry Internally, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Because, um. A lot of people don't understand Tourette's, I think, because, like, uh, you know, OCD is, like, this thing where, like, you have, like, rituals. Like, oh, I have to tap the fucking brick before I walk up my staircase, or I feel like, or, or like, you get this overwhelming feeling that, like, you know, something really terrible is going to happen or something, and you just have to, 
perform these rituals and um a symptom of it is called uh disaster fantasies every once in a while you'll meet somebody who uh, this rings a bell for them it's kind of, i kind of have these two i think i have like a, like a faint hint of what this is is that let me tell you this i've had since i was a kid the thing where you're like riding in a car and yep. you can like visually picture yourself opening the door and falling yep, out that's exactly what that is yeah i think about yeah. it all the time if i'm on the train yeah. sometimes if i'm waiting for the train i'm just like you can just, you just jump, jump in front of the train of <laughs> yeah. and you never do but like you We're can't fine. stop Nobody thinking about this. it We're fine. <laughs> um so tourette's is like the reason that people with tourette's say the n-word and fucking racial slurs and curse words and filthy shit like that is because those are the words that you are not supposed to say in, in like, it's the worst social transgression, right? To say, like, a fucking, you know, whatever the thing is. So if different words were forbidden words, that would be the thing that a Tourette's syndrome person blurts yeah. out because the point is not the word. The point is that it's violating a fucking thing that they're trying to hold in. Yeah. It was really funny. I watched this documentary on kids with Tourette's syndrome one time and they're all, uh, they were all British and they, uh, they went in like to a summer camp where like the British Tourette's kids were co-mingling with the American ones. And as soon as the British ones got off the, the bus, they all just started going, 9-11, 9-11! You couldn't stop saying it because it was right after 9-11. So, so it was like, you know, this thing that they knew you weren't supposed to say. Yeah. Oh my god, that is really funny. But, um... Uh, it made me, send me that video, but it also, also... It also made me think okay, about social ahead. media because you're constantly, okay. like, every thought you have is, like, in you feel the compulsion to put it online yeah. and people talk about um like an ethical code or like a code of self-control with that like hey you're tweeting too much or like oh do you gotta put everything on fucking instagram or whatever you know that's really interesting i hadn't thought of it but it it honestly does make sense to like like if you framed my social media as my noise that would be accurate that's exactly what it is right people tell me all the time they're like you have to put every thought you have you know like on and it's like well i don't care but like um but you're like, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe they're the person saying, "Hey, be civilized," and you know, there are yeah, things we don't talk about, yeah. you know. And I'm yeah. like, no, if it's, a, if it's a thought, it wants to exist, you know. <laughs> well, I can put it into the world. Man, well, okay, so I do think that the, this diagnosis that you've made of like Tourette's and social media fits in because if you remember, the first scene of the movie is Todd is in the <clears throat> forest, right, with his dog who I think is called Benji, right? And he's like, just, you know, being a dude in the forest, whatever, walking around, playing with his dog, throwing a stick. And then this guy, and like all his noise is going with like all regular guy thoughts, right? And then this guy comes up who's like uh, a guy riding a horse and it turns out he's the priest of the settlement, right? Right. And the very first scene in this movie is the kid trying to control his noise so that the priest can't see what he's really thinking because he will be punished for his thoughts. And the priest comes up in an extremely judgmental way, demanding that he stops silencing his noise. It'd be funny if the so priest that, is just thinking about little boys like the whole time. No, his noise. <laughs> well, no, the priest, the priest is like, uh, okay, like way later in the movie, the priest says to the mayor of the town, you're so good at hiding your noise just like a woman, right? Yeah. So he, like, is a derogatory towards those who have enough power to hide their, their noise. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because that means you have some shame or something to hide, like women would because women are full of sin, right? Yeah. And so what I say to you is that this character represents how religion contributes to patriarchy, right? Yeah. And the fact that, like, the movie starts off with being, like, this is the first interaction that we're going to see between Todd and someone else is him being shamed for what his potential. It's not even for what he really thought. It's for what his thoughts potentially could be. Right. Yeah. So it's like the priest being like, stop being a pussy. Stop hiding your thoughts. Let me see your thoughts. They should be pure. If they're not, I will punish you. Yeah. And so you see immediately the stress between hide my real thoughts, but then also be the kind of person that I'm supposed to be externally because this is what this fucking guy expects from me, right? Yeah. And so when I asked you, like, is this a Be- does this pass the Bechdel test? What's funny is you're right. There is literally only one conversation between two women. <laughs> and it is between uh, Viola, 
Oh, and right. And the mayor I forgot of that. Farm Town or Far Town or Far, whatever it's called. The, the second the, town. So basically, they later in the movie. They escape to another town. Yeah, yeah. They escape to another town, which the kid, Todd, he literally like didn't even know that there were other settlements. He thought that Prentice Town was the only. And then remember also, he couldn't read, right? So there's this right. whole aspect to the world that they live in where the power in masculinity and in patriarchy is based around keeping men ignorant hell yeah and keeping yeah you know what i mean like reading books is it will it (laughs) works against patriarchy right right? so they don't teach them to read they don't teach them anything about history they don't teach them anything so then he finds out there's this other colony all along he had no idea and the colony has men and women and children and then he discovers because um, he has like adoptive fathers who are two gay men, right? Who, when his mom died, when he was a baby or was killed by, oh, we forgot to say this. So the Prentice Town people explain the, the fact that all the women are dead as a result of the civil war with the locals, with the, what are they called? The Spackle. Spackle, right? yeah. Like, yeah. So they're like, we got in a war with the Spackle and they killed all the women. <laughs> And right away, you're like, mm, red flag. This doesn't sound right to yeah, me. Why would they like kill all the Yeah, exactly. And so then the kid finds out. Oh, no. So then the kid, when he runs away to help the girl to bring her to the town with people who won't murder her or whatever, his gay dad gives him his mom's journal. And he has it, but he can't read it because he can't read. So the girl Viola reads it to him. And that's when he learns that actually the women were not killed by the speckle. What happened was that in Prentice Town, or like when the first wave of humans came to the New World, the noise only affected the men. And at first it was like weird or whatever, but then the men became increasingly paranoid that they couldn't read the women's minds, that they couldn't tell what women were thinking. Right. And yet women could tell what they were thinking all the time, so they felt overexposed and defensive. And then when you think about like, Jake, how often is it like a thing between men and women that it's like... I can't read your mind. Why don't you just tell me? <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. So it's like such a direct one for one. <laughs> this is where the conflict lies, right? Where yeah. men are being like, oh, you're, I'm very honest and clear about what I want and you're playing games and I can't fucking understand what you mean by all this thing you're doing. So the metaphor is like almost too plain, <laughs> right? Like it's almost too hits you over the head, right? Yeah. And then we learned that the men because of that frustration, basically decided that they couldn't trust the women, and all the men got together and murdered all the women in Prentice Town. Right. And this baby, his mom gets murdered, and he gets raised by the two gay men, and they give him the fucking journal, and he learns about this, and then he goes, and he takes her to the other town, and when he gets to the other town, he finds out that, like, all the people that are in the town are basically the survivors of Prentice Town, the Prentice Town massacre. Right. And they have a law where they say like no man from Prentice Town can come into our <laughs> into our territory right. without getting murdered unless they're under a certain age, right? And so the overall I guess like allegory of the story is very man focused, right? But I would say it still passes the Bechdel test because the only conversation between two women is between Viola and the mayor of the new town where she goes to get safety and try to reach her ship. And their entire conversation is not actually about the men in Prentice Town because we learn everything about Prentice Town through Todd's mother's journal, right? Their conversation is about how to get to somewhere where she can communicate with her ship. So their entire conversation is about how to save humanity, basically, right? And then she goes off and she does that. But the entire movie itself... So, okay, I couldn't help but compare with like something like the fucking Wonder Woman 1984 or whatever, where it's supposed to be like such a feminist, oh my God, whatever <laughs> the fuck. And it is so not, and it's so pathetic in so many ways and frames women in such terrible ways. We talked about last week about um, this idea of like, yes, we all know that patriarchy also hurts men. Uh, but whenever you try to bring that up, people are like, well, why would you want to center that story, though, when we should be talking about all the women's stories that haven't been told or the non-men stories that haven't been told? But I had made the point that like, I don't think that you can really engage with feminism or the lot that has been handed to women or non-men without engaging with 
the law that has been handed to men and why they behave the way that they do. So this movie, I think, was like more feminist <laughs> than Wonder Woman 1984 in the fact that it dealt specifically with how patriarchy fucks up men's minds and how they have to come to a point in some, some time in their life of whether they will go along with all the men that, that fucking raised them and that told them this is how it should be and women are your bitches and you should fucking bend them to your will and whatever the fuck. Or be like, no, fuck you. Even if you think I'm a pussy, I'm going to go do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, even if it wasn't perfectly executed, I have never seen a movie that makes the point that this movie made. This movie was pretty good. It's so funny that it has one star on Rotten Tomatoes and yeah. it was like on a fucking airplane, you know, the bottom of the barrel fucking clearance rack thing. Mm -hmm. It's weird when you find stuff like that that is like, you know you won't be able to go through your life telling people like, Hey, have you seen chaos walking? Like, you know, <laughs> That'd be like no one knows what it is and stuff, but yeah. like, there's really like some depth in it and shit. Dude. So let me tell you, uh, okay. You gem. didn't get to this part, but what happens eventually is, um, Todd and Viola are running away from the second town because now the men from Prentice town came to the second town to attack them. Right. And the thing is like, you would think that maybe this town can fight them back. But what ends up happening is all, like, remember that the men who are at Princess Town are quote-unquote alpha men, right? They survived the war. They killed all the women. Oh, the other yeah, thing that you have to remember is... hanging out with other dudes. Yes, they're alpha <laughs> dudes, exactly. So the thing you have to remember also is, so everybody has, all the men have the noise, they're meaning gay. like you can see their shit. But only, and they say this early, is like only the most powerful men can both control their noise to the point of like, shutting it down yeah. but also control their noise in the sense of creating like visuals that trick other people because they can control the visuals that come out of their thoughts and we see this several times where todd makes like a snake out of his fucking thoughts yeah. that attacks another dude and the dude freaks out because right. like he thinks it's a real snake and we see it later when the mayor of the town traps viola he does it by projecting like these like fake walls that come up so she feels trapped but they're not real and then he dissolves them right they're like all his thought bubbles uh -huh. so there is this thing of like it's interesting of like how men can project into reality their the limitations for other people by just thinking them and by fucking enforcing them you know what i mean yeah. which is what I think other men feel when they're like, I can't step out of these bounds or I can't back up this other person because then I put a target on my, like, yeah, all no, these... it's a uh, masculinity yeah. is a prison, you know, and you exactly. project the yes. bars from within your own mind. It's like it's the door that you in theory could walk through at any time, but like you can't because for non-physical reasons, mental reasons, you're really constraining yourself. That's what the male exactly. gender role is like, man. Yes, man. And so I think like I've never seen that pictured as well as I have in this movie. And so then we go to a part where, okay, so, okay, this is what I'm saying. So the men from Prentice Town, who are all these, who are these alpha dudes whose leader is one who's extremely, um, capable of doing this, like, fool you with his mind thoughts shit. <clears throat> yeah. They come to the new, the second colony and they like surround them and they basically do the standoff where they're like, you know that we will kill you. You know we're more powerful than you. <laughs> like, just give us the girl. That's all we want. And the mayor, who's a woman of the other town, stands up to him and is like, no, we're not going to give you the girl. But remember that there are men also in this other town. And the men who are in this other town, who are literally like, you could frame these as like the feminist men, right? They still start to feel like the pull of the alpha men being like, don't side with them, pick the right side, be a man. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. So the mayor starts to feel how like even the men who are quote unquote on our side are actually feeling this pressure to be manly and right, fucking right, go right. hunt. And what actually happens is one of the men from the second colony goes and finds Viola and tries to attack her to give her over to the Prentice Town mayor. And that's when she runs away. So Viola and Todd run away. And then what happens next is as they're running away, the person that gets closest to catching them is that priest guy on the horse, right? Yeah. And they get to a river and Viola and Todd get into a boat and they're going to like whitewater raft down the, the fucking river or whatever. But Benji, the dog, gets caught by the priest guy. 
and the priest guy straight up drowns the dog while making eye contact with Todd. God damn. Yeah, Jake. So it's like really harsh. And most of the men that replied to my tweet were like, oh, I can't watch a movie where a dog gets killed or whatever, which let's go back for a second and think about that. Right. Because people can watch movies where women get raped and murdered <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but you're like, oh, I can't handle when a dog. You're like, oh, my God. And meanwhile, you're missing the huge allegory here, which is religion is a huge, like, if we understand Aaron to be the character that represents religion, and Aaron killing the dog, literally the only source of, like, sensitivity and, like, feeling that Todd had before he met a girl, right? Oh. Like, it was the only sense of love and, and like, fatherly, yeah. fatherly feeling and caring for an animal for another thing then the fucking religious guy kills the dog and it's making you Todd soft. and viola yeah todd and viola get away and then todd they're like sitting in a tower like waiting just for the day to pass you know like the sun to go down and then the next day they'll go out yeah and todd is like literally crying about his dog dying but then he's just sitting there being like be strong be brave don't show her your pain like don't like be a man keep your noise down don't fucking feel it and then viola walks over to him and she holds his hand and she starts telling him how she loved his dog so much and so then she's like he was a great dog and like she like starts the conversation that makes it okay for him to feel his feelings about his right, dog dying right, yeah so this is the non-bechdel test part of the movie where she literally just plays the role of showing you that you can be a vulnerable man. Right, you right. Feel right. your feelings and you're still a man, you know? And she's like in service of him in that of way. Of his and character the plot. growth. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, exactly. But I don't think that that's bad if the whole point of the movie is that, is to examine what keeps men from growing into themselves. Well, right? I mean, with like the Bechdel test, like it's one of those things where people forget why it was even brought up in the first place because like mm -hmm. the point is not to ever have a situation where a female character might be a you know t uh, a secondary component to a male character the point is just to make sure that everything isn't in that configuration all the time Please. but yeah. e in theory with once we're all equal and everything every the, all the different component like Sometimes it'll there be like are, that. Sometimes it'll be switched to around. Be told about you know? manhood, also. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not wrong. It's just what's wrong yeah. is that it has hegemony. You know, it's yeah. just the same way we always talk about like monogamy and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that it has hegemony. You know. I know, but then that brings me back to the like, why are you centering the story thing, right? Like all these three or four dudes that directed and wrote this movie and did everything. You know, I'm seeing it as like this is a pro-feminist movie because it is trying to dissect how men. Um, are an antithetical to feminism but the question of like why center the story still looms over it and i've said this before but i think that the reason why this story should be centered is because you can't really move forward with women aren't treated well or equally without acknowledging why men don't treat women equally or well <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. we have to talk about both sides of it not just like demand that suddenly shit changes without ever acknowledging what that shit is on the other side yeah so it was a disappointing movie in a lot of ways but it brought a lot of this to the to head right and like another thing that i liked is um so in the end i know you didn't see the end but what where did you see up to um uh, fuck he fought like one of the fucking spackles oh uh, okay yeah so i already told you past that so then yeah. they finally get to the other place and then they whatever but what happens in the end is um they get to a, the crash ship right that yeah. the first wave came into and they have the apprentice dudes right on their tail so they decide that they're going to go into the crash ship and try to fix the communication system so that she can communicate to her ship about what's going on on the ground. Yeah. And as they do that, the men come and to kill her. Right. And one of the things that the apprentice mayor does is he brings one of Todd's gay dads. Uh, they killed the other one. Right. <laughs> and then the other one that's left, they bring him and Michael Mads, what Mads Michelson, whatever he yells out, like Todd come out or I'm going to kill Ben. Right. Uh-huh. And so Ben or Todd comes out to try to keep him from killing Ben. And it becomes this like 
weird chivalrous thing because Todd is doing it to give Viola enough time to call to save humanity. Right. But it's also a love triangle, right? <laughs> you understand me? Where there's like the young man who was raised by this gay man who did everything to care for him, but also looked up to this mayor dude who was like the uh, role model for when masculinity and everything should right. be for him. And so he has this mad dude being like, you should give her up so that we can take over the world because that's what men should do. But then the gay dad is being like, don't listen to him. Listen to what your mother would have wanted. And then there's like this very clear moment where the gay dad is like, I should have, like, we should have done something to stop that from happening. So there's also, Jake, this like hint to like how gay men don't really stand by women. Like it's, it's like yeah. a very layered premise. And I don't think they just like did it well. Right. But then the gay dad does like a death hug with the kid, but then gets his knife and stabs the other dude. So then there is this like the opposite of a Bechdel test thing where men sacrifice themselves in order for not just a woman to survive, but humanity to survive. So the lesson in the entire story is really about how alpha males are like poisoned mentally <laughs> and how what is actually good for humans, including men, is to be feminists and be collectivists, right? And I am like, I can't see how you could think this is a bad movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such good propaganda. I don't know. No, it was cool. I didn't, uh, I hadn't thought about it at this length because I, uh, you know, I just watched it. But now everything you're saying makes perfect sense. It's almost like now that I'm like thinking about it like this, I'm like. Wow, it's almost too on the nose. Like it's a kind of heavy-handed, yeah, no, almost totally heavy-handed. Yeah. It reminded me of like a Twilight Zone or something like that, where everything is like laid out pretty plainly, and it's it's fun to think about. But isn't that the greatest sci-fi? Like exactly how you said, the very basic formula of you just change one thing. And if you think about things like Battlestar Galactica, the One Hundred, Star Trek, everything, all this did was change one thing, which yeah. was when you get to that new world, only men are affected by having their their thoughts. Well, yeah, that's why sci-fi is happens. is such yeah. effective social commentary and allegory yeah. and stuff like that because it's like it is kind of heavy-handed. Like you you understand what they're watching play out that is a mirror to us and yada yada yada. That's by the way, that's why Star Wars is not sci-fi. It's fantasy that takes place in space because fantasy is more about having like tons and tons of like lore and rules and universe building and stuff like that. Fair. No, but you don't think it's sci-fi? It is sci-fi, though, because... Okay, I would give it's you... It's fantasy, fantasy with sci-fi elements. And sci-fi. Yeah, because it also has... And then it also depends what Star Wars... We're, oh, no, sorry. Star Trek we're talking about. Wait, are you... I you said Star Wars. Wars. Oh, yeah. Star Wars is fantasy. Sorry. Yeah. Star Trek is sci-fi. Star Trek's totally sci-fi. It's, like, episodic yeah. okay. and fucking... And, and it deals specifically with, like, cultural differences. Like, it is 100% about just, like, what if we visited a culture and one thing was different? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a every planet they go to, right? Yeah. It's like basically that. And it's like a little bit of a, there's like a wink, you know, it's like this mm -hmm. is maybe about something that's going on in the news right now. Huh? Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I really love this movie. Oh, and the last thing that I wanted to tell you about it is um, the other reason that I think that it passes the Bechdel test is because um, pretty much from the very beginning when Todd meets Viola, all his thoughts, even though they're PG thoughts, they are about kissing her, right? So there's like multiple times throughout the movie where he is like she the whole time is trying to survive and figure out a way how to get to, back to her people in the ship. Yeah. And then his thoughts the whole time are like, no, I don't want her to leave. I want her to kiss me. <laughs> you know? and, like, <laughs> so embarrassing. and then she's like, oh, can you stop? And he's like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean for you to see that. Oh, but I really want to kiss her. <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> the whole like I do think there is that tension between she's not seeing him as a sexual partner in any way and he's having all these sexual thoughts even if they're pg rated yeah and by the end of the movie they do not hook up they don't they never kiss like it never becomes a thing where she is now his love interest yeah that's kind of interesting they by the end uh you'll see when you watch the end so by the end what happens is after they beat mads and they like push him off a cliff and whatever the fuck the ship lands successfully and Todd wakes up and he's like in the medical bay of the ship uh -huh. and he sees Viola and he's like, where am I? And Viola's like, oh, you're in my ship. 
And he says to her, like, oh, wait, so does that mean you're going to stay? And she's like, yeah, I think we're all going to stay, meaning all the people on the ship. And yeah. so he goes, well, that makes me really happy because I thought you really wanted to leave. I, I thought you didn't think you could make a home here. And then she replies, we can all make a home here. And she, like, holds his hand. And so then it becomes this thing about, like, working together as equals. Okay, but they're still colonizing a planet. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. Because we never deal what with the, the fuck whole happened with the thing. aliens? Yeah. We never deal with the spackles and how you blame them. Oh, because there's also, like, it's almost like blaming, like, oh, this woman got raped by a black man. Where there's always, like, blame the black person or whatever in a crime. Yeah. That's literally white men killed all the women and then they blamed the, sp- the local population. <laughs> the, and the local population, <laughs> by the way, the spackles, the, the local yeah. population they keep referring to as the aliens, even though they're natives yeah. to the planet. They're, like, black and wearing rags. Yes. And, like, it's, like, uh-huh. very heavy-handedly, like, yeah, this is, like... You're you know, colonizers, yeah. This is yeah, indigenous yeah, people. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I say that it's also about immigration. Because there's, like, a weird fucked up thing about, like, uh, being first generation somewhere versus, like, being born on the ship to come to the new place versus, like, the... Uh, like, they literally have a conversation yeah. where... Uh, Todd says these goddamn aliens killed my mother and Viola's like wait but don't they live here you're the alien like we're the aliens they're the locals and he's like they're violent bastards that makes them the aliens (laughs) yeah 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 it's funny very much just like white people in America being like these Mexican rapists they're the goddamn rapists and it's like no yeah you guys actually raped the whole thing before (laughs) or like literally just being anywhere in southwest america and being like these people are trying to come over into our country and it's like yeah this was their country first you idiot you drew a line and then kicked them out (laughs) totally so i would just say i hope like you know i'm a fan of remakes and sequels and all that stuff and i hope that one day somebody who can execute this better will take a stab at telling this story because I do think it was a good story. And I do think it's like worth talking about. It had points that I've never seen in any other movie. Um, have you ever seen... Shit, what was the other one? Oh, no. Have you ever read um, The Left Hand of Darkness? Oh, yeah. I've never read The Left Hand of Darkness. But I read um, the other one. Uh, the Lathe or whatever? No, no, no. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, man. Uh, the yeah. Dispossessed. I read The Dispossessed. The and dispossessed. I really want to okay. read The Left Hand of Darkness. Yeah. My first ever thing that I read by Ursula Le Guin was uh, The Left Hand of Darkness when I was in middle school. Yeah. And Jake, I swear to you, it was probably the first thing that got me to think about gender as a social construct. Sure. Because the premise of this book which I think was was written in the 70s, maybe early 80s. But the premise of the book was that uh, there was like a envoy from Earth whose job was to go to other planets to like establish a diplomatic plug-in connection, right? And he goes to this other planet. And when he gets there, he discovers that the people who live on this planet don't have a gender. They're actually able to change gender as needed for every relationship that they have. Yeah. So every person that lives there is capable of being, quote, a woman and, like, getting pregnant and having a child or being a dad and and impregnating another person. And so the envoy from Earth has, like, a lot of trouble dealing, like, because he comes in being, like, who's your leader? Thinking it's going to be, like, a man. But then the leader is a person that has no gender and can switch between the two and is both a mother and a father. (laughs) You know, like, so the entire book is just about this person from Earth trying to compute how it's possible that this entire society exists without gender and i don't even have to tell you the end to tell you that i was like 13 and i was like this is crazy <laughs> like, yeah. I was like holy shit maybe gender is not real <laughs> like, <laughs> this is amazing and literally since reading that story at 13 this is the only thing i've ever seen that i think interrogates gender and the narratives around our gender and especially about men, because I do think that there are things that exist that interrogate gender for women. But men, possibly because of this thing of, like, you're not supposed to be vulnerable and talk about your feelings yeah. or whatever the fuck. There's not enough things being made in art that are about this. About the insecurity of what you're supposed to be and what other men expect you to be and what you've been told to be since you were a kid. Right. And how that affects how you see women. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, fucking... My big thing about 
all of that is that um, a lot of the discussion around gender that has been popular for the last five or ten years has been very much like, um, you know, talking about the patriarchy and how men oppress women through it or whatever, which is a fine yeah. way to start the conversation. But the reality is it's that's still like looking at it wrong way because it's putting it's the onus half. on yeah. well, it's putting it on individuals also. And so that's why like it, this shit doesn't appeal to people. This is how you got like anti woke comedy because enough guys yeah. were sick of just being hurt. You're like you're like a broke poor person and then some woman on TV is yelling at you that you're oppressing her and you're like, fuck this. This doesn't make any sense, right? I, I, how yeah. am I? I have to go work and you get to be a movie star. Fuck you, right? Uh, it's a system, right? But it's also... But uh, what if we made more shit like this and made men cry about it? Like, yeah, they didn't want to fucking do the mean thing that they did. This is what I'm saying, right? So there's been this like crisis of identity for men for like a long time and it's how we ended up with like the Joker movie. I think there's a great rumination on it and I also think that like um, when the Proud Boys came about, you know, what Gavin McGinnis was sort of like capitalizing on was that men were fucking alienated and they were being told you're bad and you have nothing to do and it's your individual fault and fuck you. You should feel guilty and all this stuff and so he's like, okay, I'm going to take back like manhood and whatever and offer people this like like classic you know fucking fascistic masculinity and like that shit sucks right the way that we overcome this is you understand we need to have a positive fucking movement for guys to be like the patriarchy's bad because it fucking fucks us over too because look how look how much in this movie the guys who are like you know struggling to control their noise that isn't fun right and that's what your life is and that's what the goddamn priest is the guy telling you to do it fuck that fuck religion fuck fucking church you know shirk that shit all off of you and like and to i think underscore your point um that's why it was a bad movie because they missed the points that they should have underscored but at the end of the movie there is a point where the priest dies right where he is literally yelling out like his noise comes out right yeah the priest who had always been very controlled and judgmental of other men and being like what are you doing and what are you thinking of his real noise comes out and his real noise ends up being this like um guilt for killing the women, right? And he says oh, wow. at one point where he says, uh, I stopped being able to tell the difference between God's voice and the fucked up voice in my head that was telling me to kill women. And now I feel like that wasn't God's voice that I listened to. You get me? Yeah. So he, before he dies, he expresses the fact that all of his like fiery fury against men was actually cover for how guilty he felt that he didn't do the right thing when he had the chance to do the right thing. Instead, he like followed along with all the men. Yeah. So he simultaneously admits that he was like this religious force that was driving patriarchy to be what it is, but then also admits that patriarchy was destroying him through the guilt of everything it forced him to do that he wouldn't have wanted to do. Yeah. And I think that character is actually like the defining motivation of this movie right because he you know the religious characters in any narrative i think are always supposed to represent like the highest moral version of a person and this person was being at the beginning the highest moral version of a man that was holding men accountable to have honest noise right like not to hide your noise but to have honest noise And then it turns out that he was only oppressing other men out of his own guilt that he didn't do the right thing. Right. Dude, that's a whole other story we never talk about. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how do we not talk about how alpha males get into this position of if I force all the other males around me to bow to the same ideas that I do, then that reinforces the idea that what I did is not wrong. It was actually right. Yeah. It's. Super layered. I love this movie. I know it's not a good movie, <laughs> but I think it, <laughs> if you properly think about it, it brings up subjects that no other movie I've ever seen really forces people to think of. No, I mean, it's good sci-fi and like, I honestly think that Rod, Rod, fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Just, that's pro- people just probably wrong. pranked yeah. the fucking website or something. Like, this is like a perfectly good sci-fi story and we just are awash in stories. So yeah. it wasn't a blockbuster and when things aren't blockbusters, they get perceived as like trash. So it's actually really fun to go sifting through the clearance rack every once in a while because you might find something yeah. that's like incredible like this. It's probably well, really well written, but like the process of making a movie made it 
come out of the weird end of the pachinko machine that doesn't get a lot of funding or something like that. And so, like, there's, like, um, this is kind of an inside-out version of something I've been thinking about lately because there's a new Fast and Furious movie coming out. And, like, I don't know if you know about that shit, but, like, people that are... um, People that work in movies, like, people that live in L.A. and work on production and stuff like that particularly kind of like those movies because it's almost like an inside joke because everyone knows that they're stupid, but they're um, they're really well shot. I love them. So yeah. they're, it's yeah. like the craft. Like you can tell, like the, the story is superfluous. Oh, okay. Some fucking heist happened and somebody has to drive a car or whatever. Yeah. But it's but like, like a perfectly shot chase. Right. It's like awesome. And so yeah. every it's, it's funny. Cause like, um, you know, hoity toity intellectual types will look at that and go like, Oh, it's not a smart film, you know? And it's like, no, that's not the point. The point is like the technical polish or something like that. And so in a way it's like, you, this is the opposite right? you, yeah it's kind of the opposite yeah, or it's like something like that no, the there's other no technical polish but the premise yeah yeah exactly beyond what something like a fast and the furious could think of so so somebody that's really into like you know philosophy or sci-fi or something like that is going to look at this and go oh no you guys don't understand this this thing that you're being told is bad because it's not like being advertised on HBO and all this shit or whatever is, uh, is no, you don't understand. It's actually good. You have to go find the quality in it for yourself or whatever. So that's like really cool. I think it's cool. And I think now that I'm thinking about all this, like the, with the, the masculinity stuff, I mean, we can, you know, we, we show the world gave us the Joker. It showed us like what is going wrong. <laughs> like yeah. we need more stuff that kind of explores that and in some way moves things forward. Cause if, if not, I mean, you're just going to get, People are going to get more and more alienated and like, I just, being a guy sucks. It's so constraining and it's like all the things that are being expressed metaphorically through this noise and the fucking, the, the, the pre, the priest you're describing and stuff like that. It's all in there and it fucking ruins your life. And like, it's, it's like, what? A world, a better world is possible. We could be free of it. Guys do this shit all the time. Yeah. When you're growing up and you're like a teenager and shit, somebody will just be like, "You're not gay, right?" And they'll just yell at it like everyone standing in a circle, and you have to go around and then be like, "No, I am not." Like we're like, it, it, like we're in like the thing, you know that movie where there's yeah. like an alien inside of someone, <laughs> yeah. and like we're all gonna test uh-huh. everyone real quick and make sure no one's doing the fucking thing that you're not supposed to do, or whatever. And like, it's it makes people like. You know, it makes your life like constricted and constrained and ruined and you're all Freudian and you project it onto other people by becoming a bully. And this is why half the time when a guy's like a huge bully, you find out he is gay and all this shit because it's like internalized like American beauty or something. Jake, and that's that's the amazing um, allegory of this movie is that if you think about it, right, you could also say the protagonist of this movie is a girl who's coming to a new planet to figure out if her entire species could survive. And then the bad guy of the movie is just men yeah. coming to destroy you and your success and to figure out why they can't see your noise and like all this stuff. That is a better expression of the feminist problem than any fucking feminist movie that I've seen. Are you crazy? How do you not see that framing the men as the bad guy, right? As like the evil monster in a sci-fi movie, but also looking at how the evil monster became an evil monster is the most effective form of criticizing the the entire system that currently. Yeah, and they're like men that are getting free of it and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not coming from them. It's coming from this like yeah. external thing that's like got its Jake, there's even them. there's even men who are free of it and then are tempted by the alpha males to yeah. go back into getting the approval from the men. So there's like a very nuanced take on how hierarchy and gender and identity plays into your choices. You know what I mean? That I just have never seen in another movie. And I, I can totally understand somebody being like, this is not technically executed as the best movie. There were gaps in the plot and whatever. But like, in terms of premise, this is pushing the idea of gender in our society and being anti-patriarchy and being a feminist further than any quote feminist movie I've ever seen. I think if you had shot this in black and white and made it a Twilight Zone episode, yeah. uh, smart people would be like, I loved it. You know, just, Amazing. just a packaging yeah. thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I guess I was thinking about with regards to the noise was uh, the tendency of um, have you ever seen that meme 
where Captain Picard is saying, bro, you posted cringe. You're going to lose subscriber, <laughs> right? <There's, laughs> yeah. I'm really fascinated by cringe because I think it is a modern expression of uh, vulnerability, an, an right? eternal taboo. Like yeah. we've always had these things that we keep in line where we jump, we call, fucking smash an alarm bell when we go, someone's breaking the social rules and they're expressing something that I've decided is taboo even though I don't think it's wrong and everyone yeah. has to fucking get together and take care of this problem right and that's how like this this like patriarchal like social policing stuff works and so it very much like when they were like control your noise control your noise it reminded me of like people like uh i get drunk and i post cringe all the time i just i'm like yeah, drunk yeah. and i'm people like stop tweeting i feel it yeah people text me and i'm like but i, I don't care like, get off get offline i'm a poet i like to express myself you know i don't fucking care yeah, dude. but they're I'm like, like okay, second hand but... like no 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 because it's you're not supposed to but it's Jake, breaking all the rules you know can i say okay as a fellow i identify with you and you're overposting because I'm an overposter. Yeah. I really think that when people say like this is cringe, they're not saying you should cringe. They're saying they are cringing. Yeah. Right? And when you're saying you are cringing, like that's a you problem, not a me problem. Right. It's happening in your head. Can't handle. Yeah. Like I literally put this out publicly, which means I do not cringe when I think about this thought. Yeah. Well, You're the one that has a problem with it. You should think about it. You should fucking interrogate that. Me, as a public person, right? I have a choice when I use Twitter.com, which is either to carefully craft my personality and my avatar that I put into the world in a way that makes sure that I do not get made fun of on fucking Reddit or whatever, or to shirk myself of all of the fucking (laughs) constrictions there's no in between you either have to submit entirely to the social taboos of of this world we live in or not and i choose not i don't give a fuck i would much rather be myself and get fucking made fun of sometimes than like you know constantly just go like oh okay am i now i'm gonna do the new meme that everyone says is cool i'm gonna start saying things rock for some reason what's this new thing people say things rock i fucking hate it um you know like conform to all that so that uh so that you don't commit the cardinal sin of showing that you're a fucking human with blood and bones and guts inside of you and you know organs and like what do you mean who gives a shit Disgusting. nobody wants to know that we're gonna die life is very short you know you should fucking put it all out there know about your blood and guts (laughs) (laughs) yeah and honestly i think that's where we should end it i think that uh what made this movie great is that it's the other side of like I don't know, man. Feminism and humanism is not just about exploring the plight of women. It's also exploring the plight of men and the fucking shitty things that they have to go through. And I don't know. I don't know if this makes me a bad woman who's trying to center other people. But I just don't think there's any way that, especially if you're a woman who dates men, like, how are you... How can you possibly call yourself a feminist and not deal with what men have to deal with as part of whatever your plight is? And then want to marry one. <laughs> like, that's insane. That's like wanting to marry a lion and not wanting to understand what makes them murder things. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, well, I, mean, I recommend it. I thought it was good. It's also, this is why it's short-sighted, I think, to simply have, like, um, you know, white lady feminist view on things where it's just like, okay it's cut and dry every man is evil and fucking every woman's great or whatever no if you if you want to actually that's that's great if you are trying to become a brand and you want to get a lot of likes and retweets and fucking not if you want to live your life for real amongst humans you want to live your life for real and you also want are like on a quest for truth like a human being with a brain that it's more complicated than that you know and we're all in this together and like you know when we were i was drunk last week when we were talking with ramin about like uh even the police shooting stuff or whatever like oh there's some level to which we're all in this together and when totally where we have to think about how cop like i think the patriarchal shit relates to like why certain dudes become cops i think about it all the time in terms of like latin men and black men becoming cops yeah it is it is a whole like societal narrative that we have to think about about acceptance and where they think they should do what they have to do to be part of the whole and survive themselves and all this shit there's this thing that happened uh last year during the george floyd 
protests and stuff where like you know i mean i love as a sense of humor and as an aesthetic the whole a cap thing and fucking you know we should destroy all the cops and everything or whatever but like on some level in a grand scheme like there are other people who i'm actually very sad for like it's like tragic and when i really one thing that i remember that really stuck out to me just as like an image was the black cops who would be standing there and the teen like black teenagers and stuff would be like yelling like you don't have to do this like take off your fucking uniform and you'd see the guy and he would almost break and that almost break that's where i was like man oh there's a human in there they're just fucking trapped and the darkest fucking thing in the world is that they would stand there and you'd see him almost shed a tear and then a bunch of cops would come pat him on the back and be like yeah you're one of us you're one of us they drag him back in Fuck, okay, honestly, thank you for saying this because you identifying slightly with a cop on the other side of the fucking line makes me feel better about identifying with an alpha male. Sure, yeah. On the other side of the line. You well, know what I mean? Where I'm like, man, I know what side of the line that I'm standing on, but I just am like, I am not as blind as they are on the other side. I am willing to see the experience of, quote, my enemy. Yeah. Right? That is their problem. They're not willing to see their the experience of their enemy. We should be better than them. We should acknowledge the fact of their experience that drives them to be oppressors. Otherwise, we're never really going to achieve any change, I don't think. Yeah. We might not anyway. <laughs> but I know. I mean, saying. whatever. I have a limited lifespan. It's fine. I'm doing the best I can. But anyway, I think we should end it there. And yeah. also, we're going to do a Patreon episode now. Yeah, we owe everyone Russian. a Patreon. So let's do that. All right. Uh, casual sets. Do your plugs. Huh? Yeah. No, do your plugs first. Oh, I don't know. Uh, fucking PDA. And uh, I'm going on tour soon. If you're in a town and you can help me put the show together... I'm good to just start touring again soon. So uh, get at me, DM me or whatever the fuck, or email us. Or DM me. I'm going to go with Jake. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, I have casual sets in New York City. Jake is going to be on August 12th. Is that right? I Did think I so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to come to New York and hang out with us, you will be on casual sets on August 12th. And then afterwards, we usually go to this place called Walters and we will hang out. Um, and you can follow the show at Casual Sets NYC. We have good lineups before and after jake so whatever works for you <laughs> and follow me at louise ps nuts but more importantly email the podcast at why you mad pod at gmail.com send us some questions we answer them on the patreon episode all right